that had me knowing I was going to interview him, repeating this refrain all day. Josh Todd, welcome to the Cat Name Mo Show. <laughs> What's up, man? That was quite quite an intro. I love it. Listen, you you can love it, but you also earned it, my friend, absolutely, Uh, with some of the ballsiest, crunchiest rock and roll uh, that has been put out over the course span of, I hope I don't get this wrong, you guys have more albums than people would know your ninth, am I close? Yeah, we just dropped our ninth record, it's called Hellbound, and... uh... It's a really great record, you know. Um, it's funny, you know. You brought you, you brought me in on uh, Lit Up, which is uh, we dropped that record in 1999, and um, it brings back so many memories, you know. I mean, that was our first hit, and uh, yeah, you know, here here we are, 23 years later, and we're still we're still hitting on all cylinders, man. This this tour has been amazing. We've been out since June 1st of last year, and weathered a lot of. Uh, adversity you know with covid and everything and navigating through all that and you know but uh it's been so great to be back on stage and rocking oh i bet and you are calling to talk about or we're going to talk about some things but uh you have a couple of upcoming shows in the immediate area central park performing arts center that's in largo that's going to be uh friday july 8th then plaza live in orlando florida on the 9th uh, I I am imagining that you bring the same heat. Let me tell you what my, and I think this was the world's introduction to you when when this video came out. And this this is not the defining defining song. I mean, you guys have much more great music. But when this video came out, it it rem- I would have said to anyone asking for a description, I would have said if Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith had an illegitimate baby and it grew up listening to the Stones, you got Buck Cherry. <laughs> and that's right. That is uh and, and I was, we should have used that. As, we should have used that as a quote. You know, I think that would have. Right. That's a good way to describe. That's a good way to describe Bacheri. You know, we got all those flavors. You know, and um, absolutely. And can I add? Okay. One, can I add one more before you continue? You threw in, and sure. what I loved about it, David Bowie being one of my favorite artists, you brought a little bit of glam to the mix. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to You got to you got to be flashy, you know, um, especially when we first started, you know, there was still a lot of that going on and, right. and that was a lot of fun, you know? Well, what I mean, honestly, you know, when we came out, when we came out, there was like, it was like rap rock and like what I call like nerd rock or that shoegazing rock where it right. was like guys wearing buddy, buddy Holly glasses <laughs> and looking down at the ground, you know? And, <laughs> and he, yeah. And here we were, uh, coming out on stage and I would sometimes I'd wear a boa and a big long fluffy coat or whatever and people were laughing at us honestly you know and then we just kept building this following in Los Angeles and and uh the rest is history well and and you know again I you know I didn't hang with you guys I don't know I can only tell you what I saw in the video and it came and it made the same impression on me as GNR's 
Welcome to the Jungle. You're looking at you're looking at that video for all it up again, and it's authentic. It oozes and it bleeds authenticity. And when you say uh, I sing, I love the cocaine, I love the cocaine, and you're looking at your lithe body, your lithe shirtless body, uh, the 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 flat abs, you're like, yeah, that bro, that bro likes the cocaine. <laughs> That's not just a lie. <laughs> and, and you and you appreciate that, and I think the authenticity came through in the rock where it wasn't polished and you're right at the time that you guys came out and I and I know this because I'm also a fan of what is actually a legit uh, genre and you named it perfectly uh, that's what it's called the shoegaze uh, I was a big fan of bands like the Catherine Wheel uh, and, and all of those moody you know uh, My Bloody Valentine but you guys for people that wanted a shot in the arm of pure adrenaline rock and roll you guys came back onto the scene and, and reintroduced it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that song lit up really blew it wide open. And it's funny, we had, there's such a history behind that song. You know, we had that song and then we're on a major label at that time, DreamWorks. And, right. you know, we're about to, we're about to put the record out and our A&R guys like really want to go with this song lit up. But, you know, you say cocaine, can you say, can you say Coltrane? And I go, what? He goes, yeah, I, I swear as to God, John these the Col- as John Coltrane. <laughs> yeah, can you can you say I love the Coltrane? I love the Coltrane, and, and this was even brought up. I love the propane. I love the propane, and I said, no, no. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. I couldn't go out there and and own that. I, you know, it just. And so they're like, they went away, right? And then right. they did all this. Re- they did all this research on. Uh, the Eric Clapton song, Cocaine, and how many times it's played on the radio. And they came back and they're like, let's just go with it. We'll just do an edit. And and we're like, good, you know, (laughs) thank you. You know, so, um, and it's weird. We were were in Europe uh, uh, opening up for Kiss, um, and this song was going to radio in the States. So we didn't know. Oh, how momentum that was happening. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we we didn't know what was going on because it was like, we were over in Europe for four weeks. Uh, we came back, and this thing had just started getting a life of its own, you know. And we, I remember we played a, a small club in New Jersey, which we'd never been to before. And our tour manager goes, uh, hey, the show is sold out tonight. I go, sold out? How is that possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, well, they've been playing lit up on the radio here a lot. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. And, like, we did that show, and... We, when when lit up when we started lit up there was like bartenders dancing on the bar tops and it was just madness I couldn't believe it and well, well, you know that that was uh, that was the beginning of a, a long roller coaster ride it was let, awesome let me ask you two things did you not know, one did you not know how good you cats were I mean couldn't you feel it in the music couldn't you see it around the cats that you were hanging or even though you did it was still a shock that it was that quick. No, because we were we were really hustling, you know. We we based our reputation on our live show, and our label put us out on the road way before our record was released. So we did like a residency on the East Coast, okay. And we would hit the same clubs uh, five days a week, every day, you know. And some of them were a lot of fun, and some of them were like they were just hating us. They they hated us for everything that we represented. You know, there were some of these clubs that were like really heavy rock clubs, and they would just call us like you know, they would just scream out names and stuff in between songs and you know boo us and there would be like twenty people there and 
And, uh, you know, so we, we took a hot lot of, uh, of uh, it was a very humbling experience starting out, you know. But then there were some cities that were really great, like Atlanta. Right. We kept building that that place up, and it was like it became crazy, you know. But, um, yeah, so we didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen, you know. We didn't know what the power of radio was going to bring. We didn't know if our, our songs were going to get played on the radio because – we were like a traditional rock band, and everything else was like we had, we had you know, moved like away biggest, from that. Yes, yeah, it was like you know, Limp Biscuit was big on the radio at that time, and Corn and stuff like that. You know, so we didn't fit into that. You know, so uh, we were just stick, you know, being true to ourselves because this is what we love. That was one thing that we decided when we got together. Like, hey, we're just going to stick to doing what we love, and. You know, be unforgettable live, and that's it. That's all I, we can do. I'm glad you. you know? I'm glad you said that because that segues into my other uh, point. Had you changed that lyric, don't you feel that that beginning compromise would have led to others, and you and I would not be talking 23 uh, plus years later because the the music would not have been what it was. Is yes, there's there is no way I could have done that. I mean, there's just no way because I couldn't have gone out there and owned it. You know, I write all the words, all the lyrics, all the melodies to Buck Cherry all these years. So, you know, it's very personal to me. That is part of my craft, not only singing, but lyric writing. And so very passionate about it. Lit Up is actually about the first time I did cocaine. That's it. Right. We wrote that song in like, we wrote that song in like 15 minutes. I swear to God. And it was like this, it was a song that was kind of a throwaway song. We would, we would, we would open up our shows at our club shows. We didn't think it was going to be this crazy uh, hit, you know. Um, right. So it's you just you just never know. Let's talk about let's talk about the hit that gave you a rebirth, and not a lot of bands get it. Okay, you have the first album that's wildly successful. You have a second album. You have that sophomore record, which is which which does in a lot of bands in a lot of different genres, and and the the yeah. market kind of lost track of you or sight of you for for a bit and then uh you come out i think was it about five years later something like that and and let me let let me play a little bit of this for my fellas and then we'll talk about yeah, it yeah. all right Take off my top. <laughs> I, yeah. I should look for the clean version of that yeah. one. <laughs> you know, Elmo. You're I, killing me, Josh. You're yeah. killing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A crazy That's bitch, a... of course, is the song. Mm -hmm. Yes, and what a yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you struck lightning twice. It's almost like you relaunched the band with a song as equally propulsive and in your face as the as the first hit. Yeah, you know, uh, that's what we did. And, you know, be before that became a hit, no one would sign us. No one, everybody told us we were, uh, we were done. We were has-beens, all that. After two and, records, um, and that's, that's how unsympathetic the after, uh, industry is. Yeah, I mean, I can go on. I could tell you the whole history of the second record and, you know, take up all your time. But, like, the crazy bitch story is pretty... Amazing. We, we titled that record 15 because we got a small record deal from Japan. They came to the table and we got a little bit of money and we made that whole record in two weeks, 15 days. 
<clears throat> and Crazy Bitch was one of Crazy Bitch was one of the songs, right? And so nobody would sign us in the United States. So our manager at the time said, "Screw it! I'm going to start a label, which was Eleven Seven Music, and I'm just going to start our, our own label." And we had an upstreaming clause with Atlantic Records. If they, you know, wanted to upstream us, they had the the option. And so. We put it out on an independent label, our managers, and we just started going. We did everything backwards as far as releasing right. a record goes. Right. And so at that, at that time, there was still MySpace, right? Right. And um, so we were about to go with the first single being Next to You. So we were almost going to go make a video for Next to You. Which is a great and song, by the way. Great song, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. But it would have been a huge mistake. And oh, so... Yes. We uh, we were about to do it, and we're looking on our MySpace, and this this crazy crazy bitch is like getting a million uh, listens. We got we had like a million online listens, and then all these radio stations started editing it on their own and putting it on the air, and we're like, I can't believe what is going on. This is insane. And so we we shifted gears and we jumped on crazy bitch, and thank God we did because. Okay. That, was, that was just nuts. Okay, it was, okay. Such, it was just okay, but let me, let me ask you this, Josh. I get how you could have, you write lit, and you think, all right, there's a throwaway song. We, we, you know, we wrote it in 15 minutes. It's a good party song to open, open up with, and then you get surprised by its success. How do you write Crazy right. Bitch and not know immediately that that's the jump-off single, that that's going to make you guys huge again? Didn't know we wrote that thing was sitting on the cutting room floor for uh, three years before it got on a record. Wow. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I you know what? I came up with that melody in my truck, my little Toyota truck in in L.A. And I'm singing it, and it was right around the time where the Paris Hilton sex tape had come out. And I was like, God, it's so funny how somebody can launch their whole entertainment career on like a homemade porn. You know, I'm just <laughs> thinking in my head, and then I started reminiscing about. You know, all the, you know, crazy girls I, I, you know, I hung out with in high school and, and I started singing, you know, and, um, and I love hip hop. So I'm a big fan of hip hop and I'm like, I want this to be like a hip hop song. I want right. to have a hip hop feel. I want, I want to have groove and space. And so I didn't have like an iPhone at the time. So my mom and I are very close. I called my mom because I know the answer machine is going to come on. She was working. And I go, Mom, you've got to, you got to say, save this. I'm going to sing it into your thing. I don't want to forget it. And I sang the melody. That is <laughs> and, uh, funny. Yeah. So she sang, she saved it. Then I, you know, I, I, Keith and I were just writing demos. You know, Keith right. Nelson and I. I the said, only two uh, ori original said, members, you and Keith, yes, remaining. Yeah, and I said, um, I said, hey man, I want this song. Just to be very simple, you know, it, it, I just want to feel, just have a lot of groove, a lot of space, like a hip-hop song. And, like, and he's like, okay. And we, we put that thing together very quickly, and then it just sat there. And, you know, there, I forget the first arrangement. There, I, there was something that was bothering us right. about the song. I remember that. And, and we, we revisited it later and uh, put the finishing touches on it, and that was it. I, I don't want to run out of time before we talk about uh, your new your new record. Uh, what can people expect that have been following you uh, throughout your career, throughout the entire career? What can they expect? And if I'm not, the Hellbound, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. What yeah, Hellbound, Hellbound is a record, and and uh, I think it's the best about Cherry record, but, you know, there's always the argument of, 
you know, hits and crazy bitch and all that stuff. But um, this this record's really amazing, very special. We wrote it in 2020, spent a lot of time time on it, and uh, just an incredible record. It's produced by Marty Fredrickson. We got back in the saddle with him, and right. you know, we've co-written we've co-written songs together like Sorry and and you name it. We've written a lot of songs together, and he's a very talented guy. And we we had a lot of fun making this record, and yeah, the first single So Hot came out, and and uh, it's great, and the second song, Hellbound, and we play this, we play these uh, these songs a lot uh, on in our live set right now because there's so many good songs, and um, yeah, and you know we just can't get to all the songs. It's it's right, crazy. There's right. so many DC songs. You know? No, no, no. Listen, I, listen. I understand that. Now listen, I'm gonna go out with so hot. Before I do, tell me, is there any swearing in it? Go. <laughs> there's no swearing in it, uh, right? <laughs> No, I don't think so. No. I, can I point out that you still look fantastic? <laughs> what, Thank you. What are you Thanks, doing, man? man? What are you doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, I do so much. You know, you got to do more the older you get, you know. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I got clean off drugs and alcohol 27 years ago. So uh, that's, that's really uh, been, yeah, that, that really helps. And then, you know, I take really good care of myself. I work out a lot. Um you got to to sing right. this this set. You know, you got to be very in shape, and and so I just uh, you know in touring. I haven't stopped touring every year and putting out records. And right. We work a lot. We work a lot, and that keeps you uh, young. You know what? Sure. I'm going to pull this down. I, I just briefly, just briefly. I you you were almost the front man for what became Velvet Revolver. It, 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 I, yeah. I know a little bit about that story. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm correcting that, right? That you. That Slash almost picked you before they went with Scott Weiland. Is that is that story true? And you would have been fantastic well, it, it because wasn't, the energy you brought yeah, yeah. was what they looked like when they of uh, uh, ultimately debuted. Yeah, um, it was. It wasn't called Velvet Revolver at that time. I mean. That whole thing was a month out of my life, and so much has talked about it. But uh, you know, uh, are, are you are you are you bitter yeah. about it? No, not at all. Keith and I were uh, writing demos at the time. Three of the band members in Buckcherry had quit all at separate times right after the second record. So we were in a very uh, transitional time. You know, it was right. it was tough. We were in our little rehearsal room and. And then uh, Slash got a hold of Keith and said, hey, there's this, there's this benefit show at one of the local clubs in Los Angeles uh, for this cancer thing, and, and like, you guys want to do it. We'll get together, we'll do some Buck Cherry songs, some Guns N' Roses songs, some Aerosmith songs, and we're like, yeah, let's do it. So it was me, Keith, Matt, Duff, and Slash, and we all did the show, and it was like Cherry Bomb, or I don't know what we called ourselves, right. but we... We went up and did the show at the Key Club, and even Steven Tyler came up and sang with us, which was amazing. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, wow. I mean, at that point, I had my head shaved. I was like, I, I just looked like, you know, because I grew up in Southern California, you know, and we would just shave our heads every now and again. Just, uh, and so I didn't feel like real real rock right then at that right, point in time. But, um, yeah, but we did this. We did the show. We had a lot of fun. And Keith and I were, were talking after a couple days after the show. There was a huge buzz around the show. And um, and I said, uh, hey, man, that, that felt like Buck Cherry was like really great band members because I know. Right. And I go, let's reach out to these guys and see if they want to put something together. And so 
we called them up and they were thinking the same thing. And so we started rehearsing and we became a band for like a month. Right. Mm -hmm. And we were even to the point where we were, we were just kind of banging it out, writing songs, rehearsing and nothing got really recorded. And then we were even taking management meetings and then all of a sudden flash just came in and abruptly pulled the plug on the whole thing. And that was it. It's out. And and then go ahead. Yeah. Then later it became Velvet Revolver and all that stuff. Later they started auditioning singers and all, and all that kind of stuff. It sounds so. like you have a good head on your shoulder where you took the the the, the, the greatness of the experience and, and decided to focus on that instead of, you know, what may have come up uh, or out of it. And, 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 I, and I think no. that's cool. Yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing you can do. You know, if somebody doesn't want to do it, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I know what I'm capable of, and it just wasn't working at that point in time. So, um, you know, we, we had our little hiatus, Keith and I, and it was really good. And then we came back and, and made a history with 15. So uh, it all worked out. There you go. Hellbound is the new release. I am going to go out with So Hot. I have been talking to Josh Todd, lead uh, Vox of Buck Cherry, one of the most underrated right. front men in rock. I said it, and I stand by it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and thank you. got, Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for taking the time to call Central Park Performing Arts Center in Largo, Largo uh, the 8th of July, and then Plaza Live in Orlando. You could do a lot worse than to go see this fantastic rock band. Josh, I appreciate you stopping down and having a talk with us, and uh, good luck out there, my friend. Much success. Hey, man, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Uh, Appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys at the Rock Show. All right. That is uh, Josh Todd. We'll be back. Cat Name Mo Show. It's a Cat Name Mo on 102.5 The Bone. At Fair and Farrah, no matter if you're working on a case worth five thousand or a case worth five million, you give that case the attention it deserves. Because to the client, that's